Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 429 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd joining you here. Do a little radio announcery thing there so that when we uh, kind of just start talking like normal people a little bit later on, it's much more jarring for the listeners. Oh, are you talking to me? Right. I'm, I'm distracted right mm. now, Joe. No, I'm here. I'm all in for this show. I pushed oh, the, pot, the chips right into the middle of the table. Oh, okay. I thought you were making a reference to the other thing that was called all in earlier this year. No, I'm more of a swollen guy That's myself. That's right. I'm still in that Sheets parking lot in Easton waiting for everyone to show up. Right. I'm thinking about that great uh, Tank Girl movie with Lori Petty, mm-hmm. where Lori Petty sticks her head under a bathroom stall talking to the other girl, and he's like, she's like, uh, you know, they're just going back and forth. And then the guards see her and pull, start pulling on Lori Petty's, and she's like, well, uh, I it's been swell, but the swelling's gone down. I have to go. Great line in a great movie. Nah, both of those statements are wrong. So <laughs> let's get into the show, Todd. All right. Because we've got stuff to talk about and other stuff not to talk about, I guess, because uh, we are in the uh, shank of the holiday season. Yes, or the shiv of the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've announced the gold titles for Free Comic Book Day 2019, which I'm always a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a rumor and innuendo of a big Dark Horse DC crossover in the pipeline and a follow-up to a recurring story uh, that is a regular topic on this show. Right. Uh, it's the Civil War of Longbox Heroes. <laughs> not the Civil War 2, Lord oh. forbid. Right. You know, I know a guy who purchased uh, the print edition in trade of Civil War 2 on purpose. Good for him. After many people begged him not to, he still did it. <laughs> the beg off. So, uh, digital sales and freebies, of course. It's the holiday season, of course, so there's tons and tons of stuff there. Uh, we have books that we read from this past week, including the Fantastic Four wedding special, Batmanuel number three, and <laughs> Detective Comics number 994. Right. I combined Batman and Annual there. I didn't notice. It was so smooth. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, a couple of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through, and the long-awaited review of the Elseworlds crossover featuring The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. That was this week? That was... Those aired last week, but everyone's been waiting until now for us to talk about them. They, they they want to hear our opinions on things. That's right. Stuff and things. Right. So, Free Comic Books Day, uh, the big Megillas have been announced. This is where a lot of relaunches get announced. Marvel and DC, of course, always have their secrety stuff. Apparently, there's going to be a big Star Wars bent to a lot of the stuff this year. I didn't see that in these announcements, but I guess it's going to be Star Wars-themed stuff. Maybe they're getting right to the Star Wars Marvel crossovers. Right. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, they're doing, uh, apparently Conan is showing up in Avengers books uh, early 2019, but we'll we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Boom is doing their big rollout of them getting the acquisition from Dark Horse of the Weedinverse stuff with a Buffy Firefly flippy book. Uh, Dark Horse is doing a Stranger Things thing with a Black Hammer backup. DC and Marvel's, of course, are top secret stuff. IDW has a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. Image is doing Deadly Class by Rick Remender and Wes Craig. Uh, Titan is up to the gold books and they're doing something about the Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tokyo Pop has some sort of Disney manga-y thing. Valiant is doing yet another relaunch of Bloodshot. Uh, Viz is doing a Pokemon thing. And I'm going to get that for my kid because he likes a Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And Vault, moving up in the world to the gold uh, books, is doing the, I think, first issue of a new Donny Cates book. You like Donny Cates, don't you? I do. And he's one of those guys that kind of, you know, I, I became aware of him with some of the stuff that he was doing at Marvel. And, of course, he's had a whole career of independent books. And uh, I've been trying to catch those up as the trades and stuff come out. And this will be good to kind of be on the ground floor of something new. Uh, from a creator I've grown to like and recommend to other people. Right. And uh, it'll pro- it'd be very cheap to get that issue, probably. Almost free, I bet. Right. And I just wanted to bring all that up because I like Free Comic Book Day. Everyone should go support Free Comic Book Day. One of the biggest, ca- like, you know, one of the biggest, you know, sale days, you know, I, at most comic shops, I would guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's big at ours. I bet you it's even bigger than like a Black Friday or a small business Saturday or whatever. Or Halloween Comic Fest, which used to be called Fake Free Comic Book Day. But then you got on the trolley and stopped making fun of it. Right. I know. I I kid because I love. Right. Because you love. So, uh, again, like I said, not a ton of news because it is the holiday season. There was a rumor and innuendo. Speaking of Black Hammer. That in the 2019 year, we are going to see a Black Hammer something Justice League, something DC crossover. Uh, details are sketchy at this point. Of course, nobody is talking except the uh, the rumor and gossip mongers, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. DC has played with crossing over some of their stuff. Uh, recently, you know, Batman is currently doing Archie comics, I think. There was... There's a Batman Max series going on over at IDW. There was a Batman Turtle, two uh, minis over the course of time. Right. Uh, Planet of the Apes, Green Lantern stuff, all sorts of things. So this does not surprise me, but it just seems odd to me that they would choose Black Hammer, which is a very good comic by Jeff Lemire, when they already kind of sort of have their own Black Hammer in Astro City that they actually just wrapped up recently. Right, but but that was only because Kurt Busiek decided he just wanted to do direct to like graphic novel stories, I guess. Right. So I mean, they're at the uh, DC's at the you know at the whims of Kurt Busiek with that one. So hey, they got something else kind of like it, or you know they have a, something they want to do crossovers. I, it's probably not going to be like you know like a year like all the time. So gets you know some some spotlight on Le- Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer, and maybe it'll be fun. So. Uh, it's all good to me. Uh, but for me, uh, when we had Jeff Lemire on this very show earlier this year, 
Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for uh, the Inferior 5 book that he was supposed to be doing with uh, Salty Keith. That's right. I'm... I, I didn't get to see him. I don't know if he was at New York because that's the one thing I want to ask him next time I see him. I'm like, you promised me that there would be Rocket Reds in this book, and I'm waiting for this book. So There's no books for me to see if there's any Rocket Reds in. Right. I this can... is an inferior you know, way to get your book out if you don't put your book out. Hang on. let me. I'm going to tweet at Jeff Lemire right now. Oh, which account are you using? M- my account. The personal one? Yes. Not the show one, which has the clout? Hey, Jeff Lemire. <laughs> when you... I, I got no response from Tom Cavanaugh from last week, by the way. Oh, he's too busy on doing multiple appearances on the shows. I'm going to tag the show in it, too. Oh, good. Earlier this year, you mentioned an inferior five book with salty keith i'm not <laughs> putting that no you should no any updates on when will be seeing that and hopefully, I'll get a response during the show. Right. Hopefully, they don't, you know, do a trade and then cancel it of Inferior 5. Well, I think, if I remember correctly, he said it was only supposed to be like a mini series. Right. But at least, hopefully, they get the full, you know, the full run of whatever that mini series is. Right. Four or six issues or whatever. All right. So there's that. So the other uh, story, of course, a follow-up to an ongoing topic of conversation here is the status of those canceled. Hang on, let me see if you can really hear it. (laughs) I winked directly into the microphone, but it wasn't a heavy wink, so I apologize. I could hear your luxurious eyelashes clipping (laughs) together as you did it. I did just style them before we recorded. Oh, and profile them. I like to do full hair and makeup before we record the podcast, because I am, I, 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 I've recently picked up the moniker of a fancy gentleman. I'm not sure if you knew that. <laughs> Somebody else let it go by the side, so I've picked it up. Oh, it, you got to be careful, because sometimes when you let those domain names go, they're real easy to pick back up later. Oh, my goodness. But anyway. <laughs> So all those canceled Netflix shows, uh, your Iron Fist, your Luke Cage, your Daredevil, which we'll never, ever see ever again because they're canceled. Soon to be Punisher and Jessica Jones. <laughs> right. So apparently it came out that with whatever the deal was that Netflix and Marvel had with these shows, mm-hmm. uh, that they – so ne- Jessica Jones is airing sometime next year. Uh, Punisher, I think, is when? Like, sometime the end... Uh, so, Punisher is supposed to be January. Right. They don't have a date. They Like, a, uh, the exact date. They just put out January for the premiere. Right. But apparently, due to whatever the deal is, that the characters would be stuck in, quote-unquote, non-Netflix limbo until sometime <laughs> in 2021. Right, you have to have that uh, to that two-year gap, so you can't get off the the, the heat. You can't uh, ladle the warmth of what they did on Netflix. Right now, Punisher is not part of that deal, so they can certainly pick that up at any time. 
But uh, as we had discussed in the show, you, uh, amongst other people, feel that uh, Disney would want not want such a dirty and violent show like The Punisher on their new digital streaming platform. Uh, but I think if they had something that insinuated all sorts of drug use, abuse of m- multiple kinds, like they did in Cloak and Dagger, which we watched earlier this year, that was on Freeform, then I think they're pretty much game for anything. Which isn't on their streaming yet, though. Not on their streaming so, yet, but it was on one of their, you know, one of their cable channels. Right, but ca- cable's that filthy area where you could do filthy stuff. Well, Netflix is the even filthier area where you can even do more filthy stuff. Right, but the uh, I know that the Netflix TV show and the uh, Marvel movies were actually, you know, at each other's throats for stuff like that because that's why we never saw any of the the you know the the TV stuff in the in the movies. They would mention the movie stuff in the TV shows because obviously they want to get they want to be established and and get some of that that stuff. But I don't know. I just I just feel like when it goes over, it's gonna. As we've discussed, they're gonna they're gonna wipe the slate clean, especially with the with the fr- the fresh reboot that we're gonna get after Avengers. That's what's gonna happen. Everything's gonna be new and clean, Joe. Fresh coat of paint on everything. Uh, kind of clean, I think. You know, it's not gonna be as clean as you think. You know, I think uh, your Gen One originals, your Tony Starks, your Steve Rogers, your Chris Hemsworth might right. go and they might just replace like you'll get Captain America, you'll get Iron Man, you'll get Thor, you'll just get different people in those roles. I, I kind of agree on that. And then obviously you just have your just starting out Black Panther and Spider-Man. Oh wait, they were turned to dust so there's no way they can ever come back. Oh, kayfabe, brother. Come on. Spoilers for a movie what? that everyone in the world has seen dozens of times. <laughs> That's right. Luke is uh, Darth Vader's also Luke's father. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, Phil from Chicago is also Voldemort, anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. Talking Dead commentator extraordinaire. But in, in lieu of all that, Kevin Mayer, who is the uh, guy in charge of the Disney Plus streaming service, did Would an you interview say he's, recently. What? He's the mayor of Marvel streaming. No. no. He d- recently did an interview with Hollywood Reporter and was asked a lot of tough questions, <laughs> such as, would you consider reviving the Marvel shows that, Net- that Netflix canceled? And I wish they put canceled in quotes. Uh, he had said, "There's a, those are very high-quality shows. Yeah, he's going to say, no, those shows are garbage. We don't want them. They're very high-quality shows. We haven't discussed that, but I would say that's a possibility. So there's your non-answer about that. I think it sounds definite they're coming back, Joe. Right. They were never canceled. I can't get my eyelashes to sound like yours. Right. But I just winked, and they, you know, That's what are all. you going to do? So, of course, this is a running gag in the show. Anytime news of this comes up, of course, it'll be discussed. Right. I'm just glad they have a mayor for the Marvel streaming. Yes. I really am. I'd like to be the sheriff of Marvel streaming. Mm. At the very least, put me in charge of what your digital sales are. Oh, I'll be the deputy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why is Dark Knight Returns of Batman Year One of this Marvel sale? <laughs> it has to be. Shut up. Mm, we're trying to give Valiant a boost. We put uh, <laughs> Batman Year One over there, too. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Todd, in a rarity, there are no conventions this weekend. What? You'd think people like have something to do next week or something <laughs> or other. You would think people would want to travel... 
uh, both creators, uh, media guests, and people themselves would want to travel over the busiest travel day of the weekend of the year for something other than the actual holiday that is causing all this busy travel. I don't know. I think at, we, this would have been the greatest time to do our clerk's uh, opportunity with uh, what was the name of the movie? Uh, Navy Seals. I was going to say, I'm not helping you on this one. We could have we could have had our own convention, and nobody would have nobody would have known that it wasn't us. Well, I, I do want to say this: there's it's not that there's no conventions. There is a cosplay convention in Malaysia this weekend. Oh, that's literally the only thing I could find that's going on this weekend. You scrubbed the depths of the internet to find that, didn't you? I certainly. Oh boy, I had to open that in an incognito browser tab. Forget about it. <laughs> Uh, But, of course, since there's no conventions this weekend, this is going to free up all of your time to listen to all of the shows on the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-namednetwork.com or soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, where you can find every episode of fine shows much like this show, Longbox Heroes, other less-than-fine shows like Longbox Heroes After Dark, (laughs) with, with the big reveal of the final movie in the soon-to-be-named movie project. Other shows of varying qualities, usually good to great, like Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling, which I think we'll be talking about the big shakeups at World Wrestling Entertainments, and the Edge and Christian show this week with uh, the former fancy gentleman. I'm now the fancy gentleman. He's That's just right. Adam. How's the wig work on Edge and Christian? Uh, d- terrible. Embarrassing. What? I love it. Okay, just checking. Uh, and also, of course, Podvocacy, which is the new pre-show to Wrestling at the Edge of Tomorrow. Now, granted, those shows aren't going to be coming out for the next two weeks after this, Todd. What? They're taking a vacation again? Is Jason's computer in a box again? I think Melissa burned all of his Transformers. What? Mm -hmm. And David is out in Colorado praying for snow. I look at it as that would really, that would make Hot Rod literally Hot Rod if she burned him. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I just want to say this as a throwaway. Um, we may talk about Into the Spider Verse next week. I saw it. Todd has not, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Right. Uh, but this was the first time that I got to see a trailer for the Bumblebee movie. <gasps> and besides the fact that John Cena is in it, which I knew, I'm glad that it finally took the Transformers franchise seven movies to actually have the Transformers look like the Transformers did in the cartoon. Do they really? Yes, in this trailer, like Bumblebee's in it, and he starts off as a yellow Volkswagen bug, and that's and he turns into a robot that kind of sort of looks like the Bumblebee robot from the cartoon. And Soundwave is in the trailer, and Optimus Prime is in the trailer, and Starscream is in the trailer, and they look like they did in the cartoon, Todd. What? I don't think that makes any sense. In the previous like the... six episode, the previous six movies, they just look like masses of whirring metal clashing against other masses of whirring metal that had no form or color or shape. That's right. It's what robots fighting the what robots fighting the other big robot. It doesn't matter. It just looks cool. And it didn't even look cool. 
I don't know. I just, I and just the first want one my... had that forty minute interlude about Sam Witwicky's parents being on vacation. <laughs> Get to the robots smashing each other. I just want the the original cartoon with the uh, junkions and and I'm a happy man. That's yeah. all. Yeah. This the uh, the Bumblebee movie did look good though. The trailer. You gonna go see it? I might. Uh, you know, I have some time to kill over the holiday weekend and. Uh, you know, we'll be going to see Aquaman uh, this weekend. I'm going to see Aquaman Thursday. Right, and we'll we'll certainly be discussing Aquaman next week here. And uh, who knows, maybe into the Spider-Verse. I don't know what your schedule looks like. I don't know. I have Aquaman. I want to try into the Spider-Verse, and I have to see the mule, so. The mule? Yes. I don't know what that is. That is the new Clint movie. Hmm. He's Clint, basically Clint Howard. Yes, Clint Howard, the second best Clint in all of Clintum. Um, it's a movie about Clint Eastwood plays an elderly gentleman who needs money, based on a true story. As all good movies, I thought are. he was going to play a young twenty-something, <laughs> a young whippersnapper oh. who is a uh, drug mule, uh, and then gets caught up. I guess gets like arrested or whatever. And uh, I don't know. Other than that, I just seen the trailers and it looks really good and it's getting good reviews so and i'm legally obligated to go see that movie so and i don't know how long something like that would be out where i know aquaman will be out for a month and a half into the spider-verse will be out for a month and a half um this you know the, the little movie like this i don't know might be got here three weeks and then gone so we'll see I don't know. That sounds like it's an Oscar bait type movie, so it might be out a little bit longer. The the mule that is. The mule. I think the mule has legs, Joe. Four of them to be specific. Wow. What? Anyway, this is what happens when there's no conventions. We vamp about other things. That's right. So uh, there are digital sales and freebies this week. Uh, the same freebies from last week are still there. I'm kind of shocked. Comixology hasn't done it in a while. They used to do a gimmick where they would do, like, one free book a day, like a different free book from every publisher as, like, a 12 Days of Christmas sort of gimmick. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they did it last year, and they didn't do it this year, so I think it's officially dead, which is sad. Right. That's all, because that was always a fun thing. Anything free is awesome. I agree. Uh, but the sales, of course, uh, Aquaman stuff is still on sale. Transformer stuff is still on sale. See, it kind of fits into what we were talking about just a few seconds ago. Is there any mule stuff on sale? No. Well, I, is, is Ben Grimm the thing a mule? Um, I get, uh, mule tied? I don't know. I got mm -hmm. nothing. Uh, so there's, uh, thing stuff on sale from Marvel, Ben Grimm. And there's a lot of good stuff in there, uh, including, the short-lived Dan Slott run uh, solo book, the most recent one of that. Uh, let me look what else is there while that's loading up. Dark Horse has a bunch of stuff on sale regarding Hellboy and the BPRD. And DC has holiday stuff on sale. Now, I know you might be thinking to yourself, oh, that means it'll probably be like holiday-themed books. No, it's just like, <laughs> here's a bunch of stuff. Uh, Dark Knight Returns is in there. <laughs> Batman Dark Year Ones is in there. <laughs> And then, like, a bunch of oddballs, like, here's the entire collection of Jack Kirby's New Gods. Well, that was a very festive book, Joe. Mm-hmm. They got a Best of 2018, which I'm not making any remarks regarding that. <laughs> um, I do. Oh, and again, I will say this. They have the entire run of the new 52 uh, All-Star Western. 
Fantastic book. I highly recommend that. A uh, bunch of Vertigo stuff, Bendis's Jinxy World stuff. Uh, then you got your Batman section, you got your Superman section, you got your Wonder Woman section. Uh, you got your Women of DC stuff, and I see the Batgirl and Robin year one thing is in there, and that was really good. Uh, Rucka's Batwoman is in there. That's really good, too. Uh, you know, a bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff, but, you know, nothing really crazy that's jumping out. Ooh, hey, uh, that uh, Heath Corson uh, Bizarro series is in there for sale. Which had a ancestor of Jonah Hex in it, remember? Which I don't know, I don't think is related in any way, shape, or form to the new Ginny Hex in the Bendis books. I don't think so. So many descendants, Jonah. He got around. So, yeah, you know, so there's some good DC stuff there. And it looks like everything is like five bucks. Like all the trades are five bucks. So uh, that's digital. So if you've got a whole, uh, a digital hole in your digital pocket, definitely check those out. But there's a bunch of, like, you know, Fantastic Four is like, here's a bunch of single issues. Here's a bunch of miniseries that focused on Ben. You know, here's Fear Itself for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I see the... Oh, oh, you know what's in here? An, here's an oddball one. The uh, Jeff John Scott Collins thing miniseries. That was a great mini. Great Freak mini. show. Freak show, right? Yeah, that one year period where like Jeff Johns was like, yeah, I'm going to do Marvel stuff too. Right, he did Avengers with Del Rusk. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a Vision miniseries. I know he did that. There was like, yeah, some interesting time when they when Marvel had their claws in Jeff Johns and was like, eh, nope. Yeah, you don't fit here, pal. Doing your good stuff. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so all those will be in the uh, show notes, of course. All the links to all that jazz. So let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? Let's start with Batman Detective Comics 994. Yes. Uh, by Peter Tomasi, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Doug Monk. Monkey, I'm not sure. How to I say think it's Doug Monkey. Doug Monkey. Um, basically, it starts out with uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon looking on a case where a two bodies have been found, a double murder that is made to resemble... Uh, Bruce Wayne's parents, and there's a whole bunch of like interesting clues that Batman is finding out. And I, when they, when I say they look like the the, the parents, they really did like surgery and everything to make them look like it. And it's obviously throwing Batman off his case because he does a few like mistakes about it, like saying. May, almost admitting that they were his parents, that they look like his parents. So he's obviously shaken. Um, and then as this goes on, he gets a, uh, a call from the, uh, the doctor who uh, helps him out. Leslie, I forget what her last name is. I don't think they mention it in here that someone is attacking her office where she helps people. And basically it just turns out that this giant thing, we're not really sure what it is, is using uh leslie is bait to draw batman there and then at the end we get a reveal of like something that this big creature has done to 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 leslie um which i think looks fantastic by doug monkey's art uh all around i I, i've become a big fan of doug monkey as he's gone on and this looks 
beautiful. And I like a lot of the stuff with Batman at the crime scene doing like, you know, detective stuff as, as stupid as that sounds. This book is called detective. It should be. It's like, Oh, like I found a play card and I found uh, from Zorro, obviously the night that his parents were murdered. And there's like a pearl in, in, in their, in their throats and everything. And I'm hoping that this isn't just nods to, Obviously, we all know the famous origin of Batman with the pearls done in, I believe, Batman year one of all places with the pearls, I think was the first place they did it. But I, I want these things to to pan out as a good detective story should. Uh, it wasn't the best Batman story I've read in a while, because obviously we have Tom King's going on. We're going to be talking about uh, a Batman annual coming up. But I enjoyed it. I think it's a good first issue on the road to issue 1000. I'm with you. Uh, liked it. Uh, very light, moving story. And that, while there was a lot of detective-y stuff, and I like Batman issues where he detectives, and especially when he's doing the, the detective stuff in the book that's called Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is someone who has intimate knowledge of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Right, especially their murder. Yes, and I did like the intricities that the person went through, or persons, we don't know. And, right. of course, you know, Batman kind of explaining how he figured out these things. Now, my only thing with this is, if there's any nitpick that I have on this, and I have two, and they're like, the, and again, I know you're surprised by this, but they're nitpicky of nitpicky things. Not it, you. I know. It did not lessen my enjoyment of the book. But for Doug Monkey's art, it was obviously it's a Batman book, but his art is usually looks better when it's colored, not as dark. But obviously the Batman book, it needs to be colored in a darker palette. I completely get it. I love the art, but I'm just like, oh, it's not the same Doug Monkey art that has like a more vibrant color palette. Right, when he was on, say, Green Lantern during the, the War of the Colors. Right, or, you know, any other book that he's done. Right, I'm just saying that's where I remember sure. it most. Now, the other thing is, and this is where it just kind of befuddles my mind, is because, of course, he goes to the crime scene, Batman, pronouns pal, and he's there with uh, Jim Gordon. And then immediately I think, where does this fit into the continuity of what's going on currently in the Tom King book? Mm-hmm. Because, he I don't know, should this scene be happening here? Because they got in a fight recently. That's true. But I kind of go with, uh, I'm fine with it. Like, if they don't explain it right off the bat, it's, bef it's before they got angry or after they became friends again. That's all I need to know. But what if they never become friends, Todd? That is true. That might happen in comics. Their friendship may have been canceled, quote, quotes, air quotes, mm -hmm. Joe. Maybe Netflix will pick it up. I hope so. But it was, and again, it's not something that like ruined the book or something for me, but the fact that it's acknowledging, and again, I didn't want to, but again, um, him and Jim Gordon are friendly, working together, where in the other Batman book that came out a week prior, they are not. Right. So it just kind I of see... puts it me in a headspace of like, where does this take place? Okay, obviously it should take place before the events of that. And for a, I miss the days where you would get, like, they have that interaction, and you get a little bubble on the panel that says, this takes place before the events of Batman 60. But they hate those, Joe, because I when the trades them. comes out, 
when the trade comes out, they're like, do I have to buy this trade to figure out what's going on? When um, I used to let my brother borrow comics and stuff like this would happen, mm-hmm. or I knew he was going to read stuff out of order, I would put I would put post-it notes either <laughs> on the book or inside the book of telling him, it's like, okay, if you've made it this far, I hope you've read this. I know it's in the stack. Go read it before you continue reading this. Wow. I used to do that when I'd hand people Sandman. Right. When the trades were all out of order. Yes. I'd be like, read this, read read these three issues, stop, go to <laughs> this trade, come back to these three issues. I to, but then they ended up putting them in the right way, I think. so. Now, I know the solicitations were a little bit late this week because of the holiday. I know Marvel came out. DC's full didn't come out yet. Did you see that? That's one of those things that I actually, I didn't even think about putting in the news that, that, that they've, uh, DC has made a conscious choice to move them back to closer to the actual release of the physical copy of the previews. So that, oh no, like, I didn't, I didn't see that. That was a conscious decision. Yes. Yes, Bleeding Cool talked about it because they tried to get in touch with them. And it was basically their answer was that they, that we're going to try and sell what we have by moving it closer to the physical previews come out. It's selling what we have now instead of promoting what is coming up. That's what they're trying to move towards. But I think it has more of a, more of a thing to do with uh, that cover that leaked for Heroes in Crisis 7, mm-hmm. and they're trying to stop stuff like this. And I, I would also assume uh, some other changes regarding some of the books that we didn't talk about, amongst other things. But anyway, uh, DC 1000 is coming out, and or D- Detective Comics, D- which is DC. 1000 is coming out. Has it been announced if Tomasi is going to be on the book after that? I'm I think he said that he might be ta- going after but I'm not 100% sure. Cuz with this being like 994 and 1000 coming out and 1000 essentially being a jam issue where mm-hmm. everyone who's ever done Batman is like, "Hey, I have a story in this. Hey, I'm doing art in this. Hey, I'm doing a cover on this," you know? Right, so it'll be like Action 1000. Everybody's in it. Right. So it just seems as though like Tomasi might be getting just like the one story arc sort of deal. It could be, and then announcing a new creative team, you know, as of 1001. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you knew anything since you were in tune with Tomasi coming onto the book. Right. Right. So, moving along over to the book I was most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Fantastic Four Wedding Special. As we are on the precipice of the wedding of Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters. We had stories in this. Uh, main story written by Gail Simone. Second story written by Dan Slott. And the little backup feature was written and drawn by, uh, I, I would say, 80s comics icon Fred Hembeck. That's right. Good old squiggle knees. <laughs> so the, the, the upfront story of this was... All the girls uh, with Sue at the helm taking your Medusas, your Crystals, your Alicia Masters, of course, uh, out for a wild night on the town for a bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. And a surprise villain shows up. And then, in the Dan Slott story, uh, Ben Grimm, being the good man that he is, 
uh, goes to Alicia's father to ask his permission for his daughter's hand in marriage. Right, that should be easy. He's just an ordinary guy, right? Her mm -hmm. father. So we'll come back to that one here momentarily. Right. So I thought the bachelorette party story was fun. Not great. Uh, you know, you got your, it was more of a mole man, mole lady, mole queen. What was she? Uh, I'm not really 100% sure. I, cause that kind of shocked me too. It's been a while since I read, uh, a lot of Fantastic Four. They didn't have a book. So, uh, mole woman, that's who it was. And, and that's, and that, okay. So that's kind of what the thing is, of course, and we'll get into the Dan Slot story here as well is the Fantastic Four haven't had a book, an official book, for the better part of, what, two years? Maybe longer. Right, and even when they did, it was less superheroing, and it was more... Scientific? Yeah, it was more Jonathan Hickman wackiness. Right, future foundation kind of a thing. Right, so you had a good period of time, like, I would say four or five years, where outside of Doctor Doom being the only villain... You know, your your folks like your mole men, your Diablos, your, you know, whomevers were not really in the forefront of any sort of Fantastic Four, let alone any other story, period. Right. So with that being said, the, the Bachelorette Party seemed like more of the backdrop for that story with the mole man, which was kind of showing some heart to mole man, if you will. Right. That he's not a horrible, rotten person like all the villains are, you know kind of making them more three-dimensional characters. Right. Mole Man's more of a, like, you know, a, he tugs at your heartstring because he's the guy who got picked on all his life, and, you know, even though he's evil, it kind of makes sense because he was just abused by people his his whole existence. But my favorite thing is the name, I don't know if you noticed, the name of the strip club that they went to, Joe? Remind me. Um, they went to Planet Hunk, or World War Hunk. Right. So there was a, they went to a superhero themed male strip club. Right. And that was a lot of fun where they they have like the Iron Man guy come over and Alicia Masters has to like touch the armor to get him undressed. So there was fun gags in there. I think Gail Simone did a great job with it, but I I really thought the Mole Man stuff was good, you know? Mhm. Mm Joe, Iron Man's costume got infected by extremists, and he needed help taking it off. <laughs> How great is that for a plot for a superhero strip club? Now, if they can get guys that even bore a passing resemblance to the people in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and did, like, a Thunder Down Under, but it was an off-brand Marvel strip thing. Right. Todd, I'm deleting this from the show because this is just another... Get poor slow scheme. And this is such a good get poor slow scheme. I'm going to send that message over to Stan Malibu right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> really bury this one so no one makes a dime off of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, he'll never hear this. So, uh, as we were kind of talking about the Fantastic Four villains and that sort of thing, uh, Ben goes to ask for the hand of marriage from his to-be father-in-law, Alicia's father. And I forget, because, again, how how often is there a puppet master story? Mm, every day, Joe. You right. just missed it. So, anywho, uh, Ben does this, and I think in that little tiny bit of story, they did a really good job of putting over how 
potentially dangerous the puppet master could be. Yes, it's just like, oh, I make puppets that control people. Yeah, but, like, guess what I could do with that if I wanted? Right, so he does this, they put him over as this creepy villain, and then he says okay. He gives Ben the the Iggy, says, yes, you can marry my daughter. That's right. I would like to just add how great Mark Buckingham's thing looks. It is like classic thing, like John Byrne, like uh, uh, Ron Wilson, uh, Kirby. Like it just he, the, when I when I think of Ben Grimm, the thing, there's a certain rockiness to him that and a look with the brow and everything and the eyes. And this just crushes it. Like you go back to the front uh, book, and I for trying to front story where the art's by Laura Braga, yes. and I'm like, eh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of your your thing. It looks kind of wonky, but like Mark Buckingham, just I'm like, my God, that's exactly how he always looked to me. And he he's got like a suit on, like an ill fitting suit, so you have that whole like he's not like near you. Because, uh, you know, he's a big, rocky human being. I just love that. And the Puppet Master had a, like, seriously had a Jack Kirby look to it. Um, I was a fan of the art all around on this and the story. Like you said, it had heart. Um, of the two, this was my my more favorite story. Now, the reason I'm kind of tiptoeing around things with this as well, trying to be vague, is because there's something that happens at the end of the story that I, one, obviously it's Dan Slot, so it's going to end up paying off big in some sort of story way down the line, I'm sure, but I'm not as in-depth and as familiar with some of the supporting cast in the Fantastic Four as you may be, and maybe some right. of our listeners as well. Without being spoilery, uh, has this character ever displayed any sort of superhero abilities or showing the ability to do what they alluded to that this person did at the end of the story. And again, I apologize if I'm being vague, but I, I think this is kind of like a, a thing that's going to pay off later down the road. So I don't want to spoil it. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I just think this, I, I have a weird feeling that, that she had nothing to do with this. It was a gift from somebody else. Okay. I think this is something from her father. And she keeps it hidden in that little thing. Okay. So, uh, but I don't ever think she displayed magical or, you know, had powers at any point. But uh, maybe she borrowed some stuff from her father. I don't know. I, this could go a lot of different ways as far as I'm con- concerned. You know what okay. I mean? Uh, so the other book that we're going to discuss is another one that Todd had asked me to read, which was Batman Annual Number 3, uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by Otto Schmidt. I think his real last name is Atkinson, but <laughs> uh, surprisingly, and this is, I think, a rarity these days where the entire annual was one story. Usually yes. they'll give you you know, a big story and then maybe give you like an eight pager or like two little whatever's at the end. But this whole thing, all 48 pages was one story and it was all Alfred all the time. Mm -hmm. So you take the lead on this one, sir. Basically this is, uh, it starts out with, you know, uh, Alfred sleeping and 
him actually getting rest and as stupid as it sounds is a big plot point and you don't realize it. Um, and it's to the night that the Waynes got murdered and he goes and he just explains how his life wasn't, you know, his dream wasn't to be a butler for the rest of his life. And then that fateful night, fateful night happened and he has to go, um, see, uh, Bruce Wayne as a kid, you know, pick him up and, and, and take him home. And there's a great moment where they even talk about like, you have to identify the bodies. Like there's something I have more important that I have to do. And any, they're the most famous people in all of Gotham. There's a billion people who could, who could pick them out of a crowd. And that was something that I really liked in this. And then jump forward to Alfred as, you know, in our time. And there's a great scene of him sitting in bed with his eyes wide open and he gets the call and jumps to it because he knows who it is. And it's Batman, you know, doing his thing and he's in, he's in trouble. And there's a, the, the story of bat, what Batman's doing this night is more or less throwaway. He's fighting a new villain called the drone. I won't even get into it, but in that, I do believe I like the fact that they made it a whatever story with the drone that it, this is just as a, a composite for this could be any Batman story, insert any villain here. And this is the way the night goes for Alfred. And as Batman's off doing stuff, you see Alfred in his daily routine. He's sharpening batarangs. He's worrying about uh, Bruce because he's under the weather and, and tired because he hasn't slept in days. So he's trying to feed him. And in the end, basically, it just goes to show the story at its barest bones is the, the, the wear and tear Bruce's nightlife takes on Alfred and how it affects him. And in the end, when you get through it all, and there's a, they, they save the name of the episode, the issue till the end, all of it. I think this is the perfect issue to show you, as you see so much about Batman in the comics, what Bruce means to Alfred. And it was very touching, and I thought it was actually a beautiful story, and it gives me more respect for Alfred, especially the way Tom King has been making them father and son over in Batman and tugging at your heartstrings, and 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 Tom Taylor just just crushed it. And I was having a discussion at the store with a with a couple of people, um, how we think that Tom Taylor gets the short shrift because he was doing. Injustice, the video game adaptation of the comic, which a lot of people loved it. I read it at times because show favorite Tom Durenick was, was drawing it, our, our good buddy. But like, I read it whenever I read it, it was amazing. And I'm like, just because the fact that this is a, a game tie-in and it's not in continuity, I think it doesn't get the respect as a writer. And now he's starting to like wiggle out and do a couple stories here, there at both Marvel and DC. And people are like, hmm. Who is this guy? And I think this is one of those early issues that's going to put him on the map as far as I'm concerned. I uh, loved it all around. And I actually, I, I asked you to, to, to read it and I, and, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Right now. And that's the other thing is, of course, kind of working back backwards here with Tom Taylor. You know, the majority of his stuff has been the injustice stuff. He's been kind of tied to that for a while. Right. But I think the biggest thing holding him back is or could be. The fact that he, when it's a, a, one of these incontinuity stories, it's either a story like this in an annual, or he comes in at the tail end of a book. Mm -hmm. uh, just as an example, if you remember, James Robinson was doing the Earth 2 book. Right. Tom Taylor did, like, the last eight issues of that, and then it was canceled. 
Um, He's the Ted McGinley of comics. Right. Uh, okay. That's a great point. Um, the, there was a Green, Green Lantern Corps, right? Green Lantern mm-hmm. Corps gets wrapped up. He does the last three issues of it. Uh, whatever the most recent run on the authority was over like at the wild storm or whatever it was, he comes and does the last six issues of it. Now he did do the aforementioned justice league power Rangers book, but again, that feels more out of continuity and that feels more like a boom book than a DC book. And again, I don't have his Marvel stuff right at my fingertips, but I know like he did like a vision story after the big Tom King vision story, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just he needs to come in and make his mark on something to really leave that indelible impression on people because he's great. This book proves it. You know, anybody could write a Batman story that is serviceable, that has a beginning, a middle, and an end with a villain where Batman does a thing, he uses a gadget, he does a detective <laughs> thing, and there you go. Punches it's, somebody in the face. Right. It's the supporting cast. It's the non-powered people. It's the, you know, that sort of stuff that's the tougher stuff to write and still do a good Batman story around it or in it or as part of it. And this Alfred story is really good. It's really strong. We've seen this touched on before where, you know, someone will come and attack Alfred and, you know, we'll find out a thing that Alfred was in the French Foreign Legion or something, right? Before he joined, like, some sort of touring acting troupe. And you get little tastes throughout the history over the last, you know, however many years. But this being such a full-fledged Alfred story and it being so good, I'm sad that it's just in an annual. I wish it was part of a bigger story. I agree, but uh, it's kind of like the way we're talking. He's like, you know, he ain't getting Batman for another, like, till at least a hundred, you know, issue 105. Maybe this was the tryout for Detective after issue 1000. Sure. Which would be great. Um, but we'll see or just give him something else. Like you said, I, and I forgot about him on Earth 2 and I loved Earth 2 by both Robinson and and Tom Taylor but once again and I, I not to insult Tom Taylor he's great I'm insulting what DC was doing at the time that was new 52 Earth 2 which left like he he did way better than that book should have done and so like like we said he has the chops like he needs they need to give him like Green Lantern or like like you said just start something or even at Marvel just give him issue 1 and this is your run on that character and see what happens I totally agree. Mhm. I think so. right now he's doing a bunch of X stuff. I think he's doing X23 over at Marvel. Mhm. And it's sad to say but like the X stuff just does nothing for me, you know? I, I agree. I like other than Peter David doing X Factor back in the day, and then the second run. I it it has to be like it's somebody I absolutely am crazy about their stuff to get me to to walk near the X Men section at the comic shop. So, right, and I'm just trying to see here. I know he's doing like I think he's doing X Men Red. But he was, right. and that's another thing. Like he wasn't even the original writer on that. I don't think. You know, Probably like somebody, not. somebody else did the first four issues, and then he came in on issue five. And then 
Oh, no, no. Uh, X-Men Red was his big thing, but you're talking X-Men Red, which was after they rolled out X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold. Right. After um, they had already watered down the product. Right. He comes in on issue 20-something of the X-23 book. He comes in in the middle of the Jason Latour Spider-Gwen book before they cancel it and rebrand it as Spider-Ghost. You know what I mean? Right. So he he gets big-name properties, and he gets, you know, all these sort of things, but he kind of comes in after somebody else has already maybe established the character. Mm-hmm. Um, he did... Oh, you know what? As I'm looking through his past stuff, he did that Superior Iron Man book, which was fantastic. That was amazing. That yes. was... Even with the premise that I, I was... That, that I believe got got beaten to the ground. I enjoyed his uh, superior uh, Iron Man. I was going to say Spider Man for a second, but yes, Iron Man. Right, and I think he also, you know, in the Dark Horse pickup, he was doing some sort of book called Star Wars Invasion, which doesn't okay. ca- which doesn't count because all those you know prequel books that were at another company don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, X Men Red is his big thing that he's currently doing now. Cool. At Marvel, so I don't know. You like uh, Jean Grey and that sort of thing? I don't know. Check that out. But like, and the other thing is, you know, there, there's the whole hunt for Wolverine and the return of Wolverine nonsense. Mm-hmm. He's doing like the third miniseries down. Yeah, right. He's doing the story why the Heat Claws are cool. <laughs> right. So I, I think if he got something a little bit more high profile, or something that he can come in on. You know, as we're discussing here, um, yeah, but he's definitely someone now who I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to based on the strength of that Alfred story. Yes. All right. We've waxed poetic here enough about what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in trade, whether you get them in print, whether you get the digital edition, or however it is that you get your books. Seeing people tweeting me online that their stores not getting their books this week just breaks my heart. That is a... That's a... Get a GoFundMe started. Yes, you're going to have time to ignore your family over the holiday and not having comic books to use as the excuse for ignoring your family. Oh, that's a sad state of affairs. But hopefully you'll get those books sooner than later and follow along with Todd and I as we do the two things that we're doing for 2018. One that we'll no longer be doing in two weeks, which is that dollar amount of uh, how much we've spent on comic books. Will Todd tip the three bills mark, the three large for the year? Tune in and find out. I hear it's a small week next week. Uh, That's what I hear, but they might sneak some sort of Omnibuy or two in there. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And, of course, attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am still in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd. Uh, Todd can narrow the gap, but uh, he can't beat me. So I'm taking this victory, and uh, I'm not going to give up. I'm still going to attempt to guess correctly. Now, I have to ask, Todd, what is Seasons Beatings? That is Jason Latour writing. Uh, it's it's not 
like a usual holiday book where they have multiple stories by multiple creators. This is a, uh, a holiday book where Jason Latour is whatever stories are in there. There, it's all Jason Latour. Like it'll be this. I think three or four stories. I'm not 100% sure on all the how many are in there. All right. So that being said, I'm gonna guess. The book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Thor number eight. It is not Thor number eight. Oh, my goodness. And don't worry, it's not Seasons Beatings either. Right. It is the new Venditti book, who was uh, on Green Air, uh, Green Lantern, with uh, the great you know takes on Guy Gardner, Kyle, John, and Hal. He is doing a new Freedom Fighters book, oh, and I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to, to trying that out, because... I was not a Venditti fan when he was doing Hal in the New 52. I thought those stories were, were, were not very good, but I do believe he was hamstrung by, you know, editorial to write something different. And that's when he had like Cronus gauntlet and he wasn't a Green Lantern. I don't know. But then he came back and they're like, you know what? Just write Green Lanterns like Green Lanterns. And it was one of the best books of Rebirth. So him doing uh, Freedom Fighters, which I, I, is an interesting, uh, you know, uh, thing that I kind of liked over the years. I'm looking forward to it. All so right. Um, I'm thinking the book that you are looking forward to most is Defenders Best Defense Number One by Al Ewing. No. No. Uh, Batman sixty one. Oh, find out the the answer to the the Penguin story. Yes. Uh, answer the penguin story, more the fallout between, uh, Gordon and Batman, uh, more of how Bane is doing what he's doing and getting one over on Batman. Obviously he's getting one over on Batman because Batman's mind is clouded and he's being pulled in all sorts of different directions. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's so many great plot threads going on in the current Tom King Batman book. Right. Uh, I just can't wait to see what happens next. And I look at it as since you beat me, which, you know, now that you're getting so good at, you know, picking the books, I think next year we should have like high stakes wagers on it. Okay. I did not, I did not hustle you at all this year. So we'll, uh, maybe we'll discuss that over the, uh, IHOP dinner. We're having an IHOP dinner? When is that happening? <laughs> Sometime between now and the 31st. <laughs> Of this month? Because other months month. have 31st. No, it's going to be the 31st of March. <laughs> okay. Stupid smarch weather. That might not happen. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, along with a few assorted episodes of At Odds with Wrestling, because I'm not getting another domain name. If you listen to <laughs> After Dark last week, you know the kerfuffle with all that nonsense. But you can also purchase something through our store, uh, whether it be a shirt, a sticker, or a pin with our fancy logo on them. Sadly, I don't think they'll be here in time for Christmas, but what better New Year's Day gift than an, than an enamel pin of our fancy awesome logo? That's right. Like, start 2019 with perfection on your lapel. Right. Now, these are kind of bigger, so they're like double like pins in them. Anyway. You gotta have a big, you gotta have like a wide 70s lapel to fit these pins on them. That's right. Maybe like a gold or a powder blue jacket or something. There you go. Uh, but also, if you've purchased those things, you don't want those things, whatever, you can always get anything to your heart's content through our Amazon click through across the top of the page. They give us what they claim is an advertising fee 
whatever it is just makes me happy that we're getting a few extra shekels on the back end to keep the uh, engine moving of this arm of the soon-to-be-named network, Podcasting Network. Right. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is someone purchased Teen Titans Go to the movies on Blu-ray disc, some sort of HD ultraviolet combination. I don't know, there's a lot of letters after this, and none of them make a lick of sense to me. (laughs) Someone also purchased the Lego City Arctic Scout Truck playset. Someone also purchased a Tamishi Nations Bandai Figuarts Vegeta Dragon Ball Z action figure. As long as it's not any of those bug people. Mm -hmm. I don't get that reference. I'll explain it. All right. And then someone purchased a Channelock Tongue and Groove plier set. And as, and as someone who has a multitude of problems, both auto, home, and other, I always like to have, like, a wrench, uh, you know, the pliers, ch- you know, like I said, channel locks, the whole, like, those things in my car at all time. You never know when you're going to need that stuff. I, I, I know that you always do that, because do you remember when we took your unborn child to his first Comic-Con ever in Baltimore? Yes. I remember us going and we, and, and, and we'd have to stop because April would have to use the little, the little girl's room occasionally. And you'd be like, I'm not shutting off the car because there's something wrong with the battery cables where I have to tighten them up. And I left my pliers at home and you were so mad. And I'm like, Joe loves his pliers. I just hate being out of sorts. Right. Do you remember that at all? I or? do. Okay. As someone who has experienced loose battery cables, alternator Mm. issues, and a variety of car issues just in the last two years, every time that I have them, all the other issues come flooding back. Mm. No, I was asking if you remember when your wife was pregnant. I do. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like, of course you remember when your wife was pregnant. Of course. So thanks, everyone, for the purchases. And if I didn't mention your purchase, I do apologize. And I, I apologize, but I also want to thank you because we have been getting a lot of purchases through the Amazon click through. And like, we're almost at the point where we can have a separate show of just the stuff that people buy through the Amazon links on a weekly basis. Wait a minute. You don't mention all the click throughs? No. I see. I honestly, the pulling back the curtain, ladies and gentlemen, I honestly didn't know that. I thought everything that you put in the, the email, which I barely read sometimes, or mention on the show, was everything that it, in the past week, you know what I mean? Or that you've got the notifications on. Nope. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good yep. to know. Like I said, notable purchases. Notable. Oh, okay. I thought, you know, I, I, I'm mopping what you're spilling now. Is ya? Yep. English language. I should pay right. attention. Like sometimes. we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things that were purchased mm-hmm. in the last seven days. Okay. And there's stuff that we could discuss and have some fun with. Not as much fun as like a phone case or valve caps for like tires, you know. Oh, if they're if they are dice uh valve caps for tires, then I'm all in. They are they are not dice, but they are nice. Oh, okay. Nice dice, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But again, <laughs> just you know, just, just to kind of give you a little bit more information there. 
No problem. It's almost like I should ask you these questions occasionally hey. or over and over. I say over and over. Okay. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. We had an art attack this week, Joe. It was from, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. How do you, uh, Talute DPU nailed it or bloop bloop bridge on Twitter. It was a Jacob Phillips print that he got of Medusa with, uh, he could not, uh, couldn't resist those glowing eyes. Don't look at them too long or you'll turn to stone. Um, it's actually a beautiful, uh, print. And I looked to see, I'm not sure if, uh, Jacob Phillips does like art or if this was just an artist that he found that by art, I mean comic art or anything like that. Or if this is just an artist that he, uh, that he enjoys because his stuff is pretty good. I was looking at the page on his Twitter and like a lot of the stuff on there is fantastic. So I actually thought it was Sean Phillips for a second, looking at the art really quick on some of the, the stuff. But uh, I really in, in enjoyed that that piece. And I think that was the only thing other than someone sending me something that makes no sense. It's a video of someone retiring who's not an artist. So, All right. Oops. Starting to get some spam there. Yes. So, But no, so uh... – that is my friend David, uh, the mm-hmm. DPU at the end you could take off. The Teluete mm-hmm. is a reference to uh, Sandman. Uh, the comic? Yes. According to him. Okay, I don't, I don't know. When we mention this, he will tweet at us and tell us how wrong we are. I believe we're Dave, wrong. Dave is good like that. No problem, and I meant no insult by getting his name wrong. Right. Um, but you know, this show, if it has any trademarks, it's getting names perfect. Mm-hmm. So any prints, any art you've done yourself, anything that you've picked up recently had sent to you stuff in your sketchbook, original art that you might get for the holidays, tweet at us, uh, tweet at Todd at Todd's art attack, and we'll uh, make sure to share your cool stuff with the rest of the world. Yes, indeedy. So. I think that's the end of the main portion of the show. I believe so, too. Right, and we're going to get into TV talk where we're going to discuss the three Elseworld shows, uh, the big crossover of the CW shows Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash. But before we do, I mentioned this uh, on After Dark, and I would be remiss not to mention it here, of course. Uh, with I've been working on getting everything kind of straightened out where you could find the show and the pod catchers that you use. And I'm not going to pod catcher shame people uh, here today because, you know, however you get the show is however you get the show. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but longtime listener of the show, uh, John Hempel, and I'm sure he has no problem with me mentioning this, but he had con- he had reached out to me and told me that his pod catcher that he uses, which is Player FM, our show wasn't on there. And by our show, he meant all three of our shows. Uh, this show, After Dark. And, you know, At Odds with Wrestling is kind of your show. It is. It's got my name in the title and everything. Right. So, one, I appreciate him bringing it to my attention. Two, yet another podcatcher I was unaware of. And three, uh, he brought this, uh, jo- John did, at, uh, you know, quarter after seven in the morning. I sent the people at Player FM an email at eight o'clock. They had the problem fixed before noon. 
for all three of the feeds. And I, I saw that like on Twitter and everything. They got right back to you and they're like, get in touch. I, I have that right. That's the right people. Get in touch with us. You did and bam, Correct. sorted it all out. That's some quality service right there. Yes. Uh, so if you are one of those folks that do use a podcatcher, uh, for getting your podcasts, Instead of the only way that really works, which is a text file of RSS feeds that you copy and paste into an Internet Explorer browser because Firefox and Chrome's interfaces don't work with RSS feeds. If you don't want to do it the easy way, uh, the next but- best step is check out the folks at Player FM. Uh, again, I'm not sure how their interface is, but their customer service is beyond reproach. See, I'm mad that when you did your whole spiel about uh, RSS feeds, you didn't mention hitting the S the F5 key repeatedly, which is my favorite part of that spiel from you. Yes. So don't ever let it lack again. All right. So that gave the folks who didn't care about the uh, Elseworlds stuff enough time to skedaddle so we can get into discussion of the Elseworlds stuff. So, the main crux of this is, the monitor gives, I would assume, the Book of Destiny, correct? Right, Sandman's Book of Destiny, I guess. Right, and I'm going to save my uh, Dusty Rhodes impersonation talking about Destiny for another day. But he gives it to John Deegan, which did not even click to me uh, at the time. But he was played delightfully by a squirrely individual who looks like my my friend Andy out in the West Coast, who purposely has that haircut. Without losing a bet? Uh, Actually, ironically, in a bet, he was in a Hardee's commercial where he got the Hardee's logo tattooed on himself. Oh, good for him. Yes. He's into all sorts of things. (laughs) I bet he is. He certainly is. He's a good dude. Um, So... Dr. Destiny, who, yes, the 2B fig- Dr. Destiny. You figured it out. Use the power of the Book of Destiny uh, to rewrite reality. And by rewrite reality, he just makes the Flash and Green Arrow switch bodies. Mm-hmm. And then we get a bunch of Barry and Oliver living the life of the other person, trying to convince the other people in their life that they really are the other person. Then they get the idea to go see if Kara knows the difference, if she could see the difference between them over on Earth-38. And I'm woefully behind on Supergirl. I completely forgot that Superman is a thing over there. Right, because he was in a couple episodes in the past seasons. And I, I mention this only because it seemed as though... In the Flash and Arrow episodes, they did a big deal of avoiding actually calling him Superman, except for one little rib, one little joke uh, gag with uh, Sherlock Wells, where one mm-hmm. of his ex-wives is on Earth-38, and right. he asked Clark if he could deliver the alimony check to her. Mm-hmm. And Clark, of course, because he's Clark, he's Superman, decide, he, he'll, he'll gladly do that to help out this person I've never met before in my life. Uh, who's talking about multiple ex-wives, and he flies away, and Sherlock Wells looks at everyone into the camera and says, <laughs> boy, what a super. Man, he got out of here fast, didn't he? 
<laughs> right? So that was the only time they actually called him Superman in the Flash or Arrow episodes. But it seemed as though they freely called him Superman in the Supergirl episodes. And I wonder if that's like a rights thing. It like they be. licensed only to call him, like we can call him Clark, we can have him be in the costume, we can have him do all the Superman-y things, but you can only call him Superman in the Supergirl show. Which, you know what, your your nitpickiness and your your myopic views of things, I never noticed that in the mm-hmm. first episode. Just because I, I, I marked out, Joe, I marked out when we go to, when we go to Earth, 38 oh, for the first time. Yes. And, and we hit, I don't know if, honestly, in all the t- talk, I don't know if you were a Smallville fan. Yes. I was a Smallville fan. When we go to Earth 38, I got goosebumps right now just thinking about it. And we see that the yellow farm and they start the Somebody Save Me song. Yes. I, I was like, I'm in. I'm all just shut up and take my money. Like, <laughs> this is the best. Which, kind of, like, I marked out again, like, a few weeks ago on Riverdale, uh, Archie and Jughead, long story, not that you care, uh, are on the run, and they have to, it's another CW show, and they're like, okay, they're running from somebody, and they're looking for places to hide, and they find this farm, and it's a yellow farm, when it's the Smallville farm. So immediately I was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen the Smallville farm in years. I haven't watched this show. You know, I haven't seen Smallville in forever. Uh, It's just kind of cool that I'm getting to see the Smallville farm on the CW. I don't know when I'll get to see this farm again, Joe. (laughs) Cut to like a week and a half later, and there it is. And I'm like, this is so cool. We get to see Lois, their their interaction, like everything that's going on. Um, I, I just it was fun to see and see Kara and everything. I was really happy with the with the portrayal of Superman because I haven't seen any of his other appearances. And people like Tom and Becky, they're always like, Todd, if you're a fan of Superman, you should at least just watch the Superman episodes of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So, but just that's that little bit of of Smallville stuff. I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. Yes, and Smallville was awesome, and that was one of the things. And this was part of the problem is, of course, with our recording schedule and the schedule in which those episodes came out, a bunch of stuff got stooged off to me. Right, that got stooged off to me. Like the that, fact that was they, one of them that didn't get it from. Yeah, me. so like I knew it was coming, but it was still really cool being a big Smallville fan. Right. And things being told out of, out of schedule, like you said, are on our schedule and the shows being out of uh, order. One of my favorite jokes in the Flash episode is everything's going on and they're throwing at all these things at the wall and things are just getting more and more absurd throughout the whole miniseries. Right, the three episodes, and they they acknowledge it. They totally acknowledge it. Is when Ralph is like, "This is completely out of control," and it's not even Tuesday. And I'm like, "That's right. This show, this Flash was on a Sunday night that way that night. So it's kind of like an in like a nod and a wink. Which, as we go on, we might talk about a little more as it goes on. The CW shows are starting to become more self aware. A la the most aware show I've ever watched, Legends of Tomorrow. You mean the best show? The best show. I'm starting to think that CW's uh, Legends of Tomorrow or Puppets of Tomorrow Today or whatever other version, Sirens of Space Time, is starting to seep into the other shows and infect it in a good way. So I just like the fact that the shows are self-aware sometimes. 
which I'm going to get to when we get all the way to the end. I have a, a, a one of my crazy Todd theories, Joe. Right. So we're going to be a little all over the place, but I really, uh, you know, I thought it was really good. I, I like that we're this far into whatever the run on Arrow, whatever the run on, I know four seasons on Flash, two seasons on Supergirl, but we're just here like, yeah, we're just going to put the monitor in this show and we're mm-hmm. not going to explain who he is. If you don't know who he is, we're going to tell you who he is. And if you know what I mean, we're not going to beat you over the head with it. It's just who he right. is. And cut Wolfman and Perez a check because that was that looked just like the monitor, right? And we're at a point where they put the monitor uh, in a TV show, and it looks like him. It's not like some sort of weird, goofy like. Uh, I guess that's supposed to be the monitor. I, I guess I'll let it slide, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get this, and of course, with the help of Kara, Barry and Alan, Barry and. Uh, Ollie get everything kind of sort of situated back. But then the monitor comes to Dr. Destiny and says, you need to do bigger. You need to do something different, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing that he does, which is our payoff into the Supergirl episode, is he makes Barry and Oliver the the trigger twins, which are big baddies in this world, and Dr. Destiny himself is Superman. Right. And now uh, Ollie and Flash have no powers whatsoever. Right, so there's your think bigger, and then you get all the payoffs of everything in the Supergirl show. Now, my only lament there is not being as caught up on Supergirl. There was a lot more plot-heavy stuff of the Mm -hmm. Supergirl show, like Brainiac shows up and Martian Manhunter shows up, and I'm like, the monitor's here, I guess this is right, you know? I I know Martian Manhunter's a regular character on Supergirl, I guess Brainiac is too, Yes, uh, Brainiac 5, not the Brainiac that's the villain. Um, right, right. Right, I'm just making sure because that is a big distinct, big distinction. Of course. Um, yes, he's on the show. I'm not really watching it. Your, uh, your better co-host watches Supergirl, I believe, and he, he, like, I'm, I flash forward through some of Supergirl, uh, last week because it had the, 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 t- the stinger ending that was later on in, on the, on all of the other episodes at the end, and then was at the beginning of this episode. Um, so I knew that Brainiac 5 was a member of the Legion or whatever. And I'm with you. There was some heavy stuff, uh, not heavy like stuff, but stuff that I didn't, continuity stuff from Supergirl, where they're talking about how she got kicked out of the government agency she's with because they want to know her identity. That's all in the show. That if somebody didn't explain to me, I wouldn't understand either. So that to me ending on Supergirl was the weak part of the show for me just because it had less and less of the thing that it wasn't heavy in the things that that I know. And I would think maybe Arrow was kind of the same way with you where I found a couple interesting things in that episode where like when he changed time and the cops show up, they were they were Arrow villains that you might not know from watching the show. Do you know what I mean? And I got those Easter eggs, where I probably think you didn't. I have a little bit more relation to Arrow, because he's been in episodes of Flash more often than not. I did watch the first season of Arrow, so Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more relationship. So, like, when Merlin shows up after the fear gas gets, you know, gimmicked out. Mm -hmm. But, like, the Flash episode felt like a Flash episode. There was a villain. Amazo shows up. And they have to fight Amazo. Uh, 
Arrow, it's more of a ground level fisticuff sort of battle at Arkham Asylum. Like, and I feel as though that's more in line with what you get in a normal episode of Arrow. But these are shows that have been around for six, seven seasons with Arrow, four seasons with Flash. And I feel as though they have a more strong identity, at least with us watching them more often than Supergirl, who's only like a season and a half, two seasons in. Where I like I don't three. really know what the identity of that show is, if that makes any sense. Right, and I and I believe it is also not targeted us. I believe when Supergirl came out, it was targeted to, and I'm not saying you know like five year olds, but it was targeted to younger women or girls. You know what I mean? So and I don't watch no girl shows. No, no, that's fine. I the only reason I didn't watch it was because I'm running out of time to watch. Like I don't watch Black Lightning either. Um, just it, there's so many, so many shows. But yeah, that's I'm kind of the same way with uh, with you on on Supergirl. And uh, I just want to touch on. I thought I was. I thought you would nitpick when Barry uh, dislocated his own thumb in the first episode, and they used some of that high-quality special effects that they used for Ralph Dibney. And I was like, I'm waiting for Joe to complain about that. Uh, the special effects on Brainiac 5 fighting Amazo mm-hmm. were pretty horrendous, so, you know, anything else I'm okay with. Right. And then you talked about my favorite part of... The second episode, which was the Arrow tie-in, was them going to Gotham, which I think when they sketched the vibe, vibe had a vibe of the monitor and he was in Gotham City. I think it was Jim Lee who drew that um, because it looked fantastic. And then they go to Gotham and there's a whole bunch of Gotham. And you're right. Go ahead. And I forgot about the backdoor pilot for uh, Batwoman. Right. Yes. You're just skipping over a whole you uh think where you go to Gotham and I don't know if you know this because you're not watching the latest season. This this season of Arrow was the first time they mentioned the word Gotham. And then at some point in the season, I think they mentioned Bruce Wayne, too. So I like when they go to Gotham and immediately it's like the worst town you've ever seen. People are just getting robbed in daylight. And I love that. And he's like, see, this Arrow's like, Ollie's like, this town is the worst. This is why nobody talks about it. And how Ollie's the only one that be- that doesn't believe Batman's real. Right, because he's like, no, no, I was the first vigilante. There's no way. I'm like, I love the fact that Ollie's ego is completely out of control, that he can't handle that there was a Batman, and it might be real that he wasn't the first vigilante. Um, I found that fantastic. And then we go to... Uh, they, they get into all sorts of trouble and they have to get bailed out and you find out that it's bailed out by a uh, Batwoman who, what's Kate Kane? Is that Kate her name? Kate Kane, yes. Kate Kane. They go to the thing and they find who I love Kate Kane as Batwoman. The, yep. the Supergirl interaction, the both Kara, Kate Kane slash Supergirl, uh, Batwoman interaction, the world's finest. Yes. I was, I, I was like, I can't wait for Batwoman to show up. And I hope they have more interactions. And then Kara even mentions, like, my friend, uh, my friend is a friend of your. And I think she says Superman in the Arrow episode, where she's like, is friends with with your with Batman, and they kind of know. Or what did she say? No, he was friends with Bruce. Right. Maybe that was it. So they established that she says my cousin's friends with Bruce because they net like. Yes, you're she, right. I'm, she never comes out and says. I know Bruce Wayne is Batman, mm-hmm. you know, but they do the gimmick of how she uses the x-ray vision to see that she has more 
tattoos all over her body and all that sort of thing. A la a nod to uh, the the pink underwear in the first Superman movie. But go ahead, sorry. No, again, and I also like that they set, you know, obviously most iterations, most times they write Batman and Superman, it's always a contentious relationship from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Whereas I liked here that this was a friendship at the beginning. Right, they hit it right off. Yes. And then, to throw all that, everything that's going on, we go to the Batman-iest place in all of the world, Arkham Asylum. Right. Because that's where Dr. Destiny's working. And they go in, and it's great. And this is, once again, where, to me, Legends of Tomorrow is starting to seep in, where they bring in Killer Frost in the chair, and she's just hamming it up. Like, with their head tilt and everything. I'm like, this is fantastic. Then th- we go down the hallway, and there's Carlo, which is Clayface, and Cobblepot, and Nigma. And then it's like, now we're going to slowly draw in on the last one. It's got to be the Joker, the craziest person in all of Arkham. And then it's Mark Guggenheim's name, <laughs> which cracked me up. Um, which, well, that's uh, Crazy Guggenheim from Seinfeld. That's who it was, right? Yes, I think so. Uh, so I, I, I like that. And then they pull. I'm shocked Azriel didn't show up because they let everybody out of Arkham and they had to fight them. Um, and oh, they wanted the characters from the Batverse that people care about. Oh, that is true. That is true. So they let them all out, and then like Nora Freeze finds the gun, and uh, and the fear gas turns. Uh, Ollie and Barry against their own nightmares, which is funny because now they're they're body swapped or whatever you want to call it. There's a whole Quantum Leap Freaky Friday thing that keeps popping up with that. And they have to fight, like Ollie has to fight Zoom or uh, Eobard and Barry has to fight uh, Merlin. I'm like, this ma- this episode is absolutely amazing. And then they drop, they name drop uh, Psycho Pirate which is going to come back later. And I'm like, all around, this is just a great, great episode. Um, And they set up that Bruce Wayne has gone away because something happened, that he couldn't take it anymore maybe, which I'm hoping comes back in the Batwoman show. We get explanation. Maybe Batman can show up the way Superman has been showing up in Supergirl. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to Batwoman. Now, and again, this is not a complaint, but just, you know, your cornball things to point out in this. So you get your thing with the Jonathan Crane Scarecrow Fear Serum Gas thing, mm-hmm. and you get the Victor Freeze Freeze Gun. Now, besides the fact that the Victor Freeze Freeze Gun is in just, like, a storage room that's in shambles, but that's in its own nice fancy display case that mm-hmm. has a V Freeze Freeze, however his name is pronounced when he's, you know, not Mr. Freeze, uh, a nameplate on it that they really hang for, like, a good three Mississippi on. Right. Just in case. And then they give you the the same three Mississippi hang on the Jonathan Crane fear gas thing, just in case you didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And from the Flash thing, and again, we're all over the place with mentioning stuff, when there's the initial attack by Amazo and the cops call it in, uh, it was at the corner of Wade and Augustine. Right. And what was it at the corner of in Gotham? It was at the corner of Burton and, and Nolan. Nolan. Yes. Right. So with that said, this is not the first time that they have done those sort of call-throughs to 
previous creators of these characters, someone needs to, and if they have already, please link it to me, put the map together of all those roads to show the utter mess that these cities are to make heads or tails of the times. Like, well, they mentioned Wade and Augustine crosses here in this episode, but then they mentioned that Wade and Kitson crosses here in this other episode. You know someone has put that map together of how all those Central City roads lead together. Well, you could just answer that with flash flashpoint changes things. Oh. They rename the roads in this other timeline. So. Or if it makes no sense, a wizard did it. Yes, that is true. So all that's going on. Now we get to the Supergirl episode where um, you they get the book back and everything. And it has one of my favorite moments because it has the moment where we find out that the Superman in the, as you said before, in the the death of Superman, black Superman outfit, is actually Dr. Destiny who's rewritten. That's the one thing, like you said, when they say think bigger, he thinks himself as Superman. So they have to go get Superman and bring him over to help out. But there's a moment when all the fighting's going on and Dr. Destiny Superman has Barry and he's about to snap his neck. And I'm like, Oh, here's a big double middle finger to the Snyder verse. Like when he shows up at the end of the Arrow episode and he's like in the full black costume and it's evil Superman. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, we're gonna get the the needling of the Nolan verse, right? And it happens where he's like, he's like, or Snyder verse. My apologies, Snyder verse. He he's gonna kill he's gonna kill Barry and and Ollie's got the arrow and it looks like he's got a kryptonite arrow or something and he's like I'm gonna kill him and he's like no there's another way there's always another way and I'm like oh my god like this is just them right there there's no other way to describe it just going you, you know sc- screw you uh, Snyder cinema movie and I was like wow okay. I'm down with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. So I found that interesting. And then they, they have the the big thing where uh, Ollie shoots the arrow through the book and disfigures um, figures Dr. Destiny. So now he looks like the disfigured Dr. D- Dr. Destiny that he is. And they end up uh, – Superman's the only one who can end up working the book without getting hurt. And he puts everything back to normal basically. Well, Kara and – Barry were going to sacrifice themselves by running around the world weird ways, a la Superman Donner movie. Um, and But they were going to die because it was in the Book of Destiny, a la uh, Barry and Kara being the two big sacrifices from Crisis on Infinite Earth, Joe. Mm. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen because this wasn't Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's next year's crossover. Right, which I also marked out when I saw that. That got stooged off to me. That was the other one that got stooged off to me. Um, and the fact that, uh, John Diggle is a Green Lantern on another Earth. I like that. That was good. I did that because there was rumors he was leaving Arrow to go be John Stewart in the Snyder movie. I don't know if you remember that. No. So that's like another in nod. It was like, oh, he's going off to be in the Snyder. Whether it was going to be, he was going to appear in that as the Green Lantern, and then they were going to do a buddy cop, Hal and John, a la Lethal Weapon, Green Lantern movie. I don't know who Hal was going to be, but the shoe-in was that actor who plays John Diggle. That's what everybody was saying, and it never came to pass. So I like that little 
like once again self-aware little thing you know what i mean but we also find out that lois lane is pregnant from superman and they're going off to argo city for the birth Right, and again, that's a way to kind of write him off, and you know, for the mid season, and then he'll come back and whatever the end season thing is on Supergirl. And again, if we were watching Supergirl, I think that would have a little bit more of an emotional punch to it. I do too. And we're mess- missing the biggest guest star of the final episode. Gary showed up. Oh, that's right. Gary was the bartender at the uh, crime bar. Yes, with Superman's worst pal, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> That was, once Gary showed up, I think that's when things got a little bit more silly. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a good character to have the silliness happen around him. Right. So then the episode ends up ending where Batwoman, Kate, uh, Kane calls them and says, I just want you to know that Dr. D is in, Dr. Destiny is in, Arkham Asylum and he's made a new friend and it ends up being the psycho pirate who is one of the big main characters in Crisis on Infinite Earths and he mentions some Earths will die and some Earths will live and nothing will ever be the same again which I did not know until somebody pointed out to me that you know remember the newspaper that's been around since like Flash season one that says barrier Flash dies in you know worldwide crisis yes. red skies and everything. There's a quote in there that says in in the newspaper, Earth will die, Earth will live, and nothing was ever the same. With the guy's name like H- Hagen was the quote. So that's been around at least I don't know if it was the first newspaper or at least after it changed in Flashpoint that somebody says that that quotes in that uh, the Irish West story that's in that paper. Well, isn't so that I, quote something Psycho Pirate says either in Christ on Infinite Earth or in the lead up to it? Right. Yes, definitely. So it all it's like one big nice Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And now um, so did you enjoy it? I the, did. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I had a blast too. I thought it was fun. I honestly do think the the Earth X. I like the Earth X crossover better. I think the Earth X crossover was smoother and and just seemed to budget the time better for all the characters. But there was more characters, so it wasn't like you were ever bogged down anywhere. Where this one just kind of seemed like you said, this feels like my fast Flash story. This feels like my Arrow-centric story. And then there was a lot of Supergirl stuff in the last episode. Where Earth-X just felt like a story, if that makes any sense. Right. And no one got any, like, real time to shine. Like, outside of, you know... Like, all the Legends can't have a big plot thread, but they had enough of a plot thread. Mm-hmm. But with this, I, I get what you're saying, where the Flash episode was Barry and Ollie with a little bit of Kara. The Arrow episode was Barry and Ollie with a little bit of Kara. The Supergirl episode was all Kara with a little bit of Barry and Ollie. So they tried to do the balance. Right. And then we didn't even get into like I like get into like Ollie and uh Felicity Smoak's relationship troubles. And when to me that bogged down the episode. You know yeah, what I mean? I want no part of that. Exactly. But now, because we mentioned that we both enjoyed it, um my my theory at the end is 
obviously we're going to have crisis on infinite earths. And I think this is a way to merge all the earths. So we have Supergirl on earth. Like, you know how in the crisis on infinite earth, it basically made earth prime or earth one or whatever you're going to call it. So all like you had all those earths that were survived. The, the infinite crisis were merged into one. I think this is their way to get, Earth 38 on Earth 1, Kara was always there, Superman was always there, Batman and Superman were friends on the same Earth, all this stuff. So, a la Flashpoint changing thing. It's an easy way to fix it. And if they want to bring Black Lightning over, they can't too. It's like, we can do anything. We can merge all of these, and it'll happen. Do you think that might be some place they might be going? That sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, I said the shows are becoming very self-aware. I think at some point we're going to have, you remember how in the, after the crisis, we had the animal man, Grant Morrison story with psycho pirate. And he, and it's the famous thing. Like I would animal man, I can see you. I wonder if they would go crazy enough with all these nods where like, where we're a TV show and Oh, what? Uh, we're the legends of tomorrow and we missed the phone calls for the yearly crossover. Hard pass. How crazy would it be if they did a psycho pirate story where they acknowledge they're a TV show and we're watching them as fans a la Animal Man? I could certainly see them doing that as like a one-off. It couldn't be the main crux. Like, you can't do that in Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover. Right, no. A but year later, later on- you bring back psycho pirate as a one-off villain in one of the shows... And he Absolutely. remembers everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. I think we're going to get some of those big nods and classic stories down the line. Of, and I think that's really cool. Or at least the door's open for all of that. Yes. So. But I thought Once the crossover again, was good. I'm glad I waited till it was over. Me too. Me too. And I'm glad Gary wasn't stooged off. That was one of the, the great things. I had a blast, and I look forward to Crisis on Infinite Earth in 2019. Yes. So I think that's enough. I, I was coming into this week's episode thinking we were going to have nothing to talk about, honestly. And it's, that's going to be the one after Christmas. Yep. Where there's no TV shows left, and we have, like, two comics to talk about. Yeah, we'll, and have, uh, we'll have Aquaman. That is true. Yeah. That is true. And maybe I'll have seen Spider-Verse by then, but I don't know. Right. All right, well, everyone, uh, thank you for listening to episode 429 of Longbox Heroes. Uh, holidays are upon us. Everyone be safe in your travels. Have a good one. We'll be here next week on Christmas uh, Day, I guess. Day after Christmas, we'll have an episode. So, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Now they're going to think that was dropped in, so I had to say this. Boop! Alright, week 16 
NFL picks? Here's your wake-up call, everybody. Nope. You gotta come over here. They can't hear you all the way over there. Yeah! Yeah! Alright, so we got this week and yeah! next week. And then we're done. Ah! Alright. Give me this one. Titans. You're blown Ravens. up now, Ravens. Broncos. Who? Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Lions. Falcons. Eagles. Giants. Bengals. Bills. Packers. Jaguars. Uh, 49ers. Rams. Steelers. Chiefs. And... Raiders. All right. I had to do the Raiders. My teacher likes the Raiders. Oh, he does? Yes. I know he's a Notre he Dame a guy. little poster for the Raiders. That's Todd's favorite team, too. You know what Todd says? Bye -bye. Oh, I was going to tell you the joke that Todd says. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry about the yelling.